Are you tired of putting yourself last? Of taking care of everybody else's needs and powering through to meet the next set of impossible standards? In our fast-paced society, we lose touch with our intrinsic worth, with the ability to value ourselves for who we are right now. Instead of living life exhausted, frustrated, and disconnected from your authentic self, maybe it's time to put yourself back in the life you've worked so hard to create. Join radio host and life choreographer Laura Cheadle and learn how to build your dreams and live your sparkle using the five steps of flaunt. Find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Hello, welcome to Flaunt, Build Your Dreams and Live Your Sparkle. I'm Laura Cheadle, and today we are going to have as a guest a hypnotherapist. Not only a hypnotherapist, because if you've been listening to my show for any period of time, you know that I am a hypnotherapist, but we're going to listen to one of the best hypnotherapists out there who also uses a variety of other modalities, such as NLP, timeline therapy, therapeutic imagery, EFT, and he's written this book and created this process that sounds astounding and that I cannot wait to learn more about. So with that, I would like to welcome to the show Dr. John McGrail. Welcome to my show. Thank you so much, Laura. It's a delight to be with you today. I appreciate it. I am so excited to learn more about this book. Um, By way of introduction, would you like to give the audience a brief description of hypnosis and hypnotherapy from your perspective? Sure, I'd be happy to. Well, hypnosis is widely misunderstood in the general population. It is a natural state of consciousness, and the two operative words in that sentence are natural and consciousness. We all do hypnosis on our own every single day. Some examples would be watching a good film or a TV show and you feel emotion. If you're having an experience from one of those, a film or TV show, that means you are in a form of natural hypnosis. The film and TV show is completely an illusion, but your subconscious mind can't tell that. It's incapable of distinguishing between reality and illusion. And so in that state of consciousness, our subconscious mind sort of takes over and we feel feelings and have experiences when there's nothing there. Uh, Reading a good book can do the same thing. Daydreaming is a form of natural hypnosis. And when we go to sleep at night, we're awake, we're aware, we close our eyes and we go through this transition until we're asleep or unconscious. That's exactly the same transition we go through when we do hypnosis. So that's hypnosis. Why is, thank you. As far as hypnotherapy is concerned, hypnotherapy is using that state of consciousness to help people change the way their mind is working, to create personal change, growth, and transformation. Because most of our behaviors, attitudes, values, beliefs, patterns, good or bad, positive or negative, emanate from our subconscious mind. Hypnosis allows us to communicate with that part of the mind, which is like a three-year-old child, and help it get out of its own way. Hence the term hypnotherapy. We're doing therapy on the mind using hypnosis as a tool or a facilitator. And that's pretty much it, except for the fact that it is a very powerful and very effective process. Oh, it is powerful. And I like how you um, began your description of hypnosis and hypnotherapy by saying a lot of people misunderstand what it is because everybody has seen that 
whatever, it's a TV show or a movie or whatever, with somebody hypnotizing somebody and that person running around and clucking like a chicken or barking like a dog. And I would love to hear your explanation for our listeners as to why that kind of stage hypnosis is different than therapeutic clinical hypnotherapy. Sure. Well, first of all, the state of consciousness is exactly the same. And it's important to know that there is a very small percentage of the population, about 2% at large, that have the ability of going into that state of consciousness very quickly and very profoundly. Now, a trained stage hypnotist knows how to find those people in the audience. And the first question, if you ever see a hypnosis show, is who wants to come up and play with me? Who wants to have some fun? And there will be a bunch of hands that go up in the crowd. And in that bunch of hands are those people that the hypnotist knows will be delightedly ready to go into a deep state of hypnosis on command. So they do a little testing. Some people stay on stage. Some people go back. And then eventually he or she has the 12 or however many people that are going to be part of the show. And by the time that testing is done, these people are already in hypnosis. They don't know it yet, but they've already entered that state of consciousness. So when the hypnotist says sleep, they just go, oh, thank you. Boom. What you have to remember, folks, is that the people in a hypnosis show are in the show because they want to be there. And they do those zany things because they want to be part of the show. But you will never see a hypnotist suggest anything to a member of his or her cadre of participants that would be unseemly, amoral, or in, in any way antithetical to what they would normally do. So they haven't been taken over. They haven't lost their minds. They just have the ability to go into hypnosis and they take on the suggestions readily because they want to be part of the show. And that's what makes it so much fun because most of us say, oh my God, what's wrong with these people? They're crazy. Clearly they've been taken over. Nothing could be further from the truth. So that's my explanation for stage hypnosis. Same state of consciousness, but it's used in a different way. It's the same state of consciousness. It can be used for therapy. It can be used for entertainment. It can be used for just going to sleep. Right. And I like how you had described it originally, how you can be in a state of hypnosis watching a commercial. And if you're watching a pizza commercial and you enter hypnosis and the suggestion to buy pizza takes root in your mind, you're going to think, oh, I'm going to buy pizza, which is something that you morally, ethically would do. If you are opposed morally and ethically to pizza and you go into a state of hypnosis and they suggest buy pizza, you're morally and ethically opposed to that and you're probably not going to go buy pizza because nobody's taken over. They have just accessed a deeper portion of your brain where you have less of that filter and that conscious thought, ooh, what will people think if I buy pizza? Ooh, what about my diet? Ooh, what about... Right. Precisely. Advertising and the film and television industry are dependent upon hypnosis for success. All commercials are suggesting that you buy their product. You may or may not take that suggestion depending on how you feel about that product or how you feel in a given moment in time. But that's all there is to it. You can take a suggestion or not. You always have the choice. And one of the things that I always tell my clients and my students in seminars or workshops is that you are always conscious, you are always aware, you are always in control of your mind and what's going on. And if you decide that you don't like what's going on, you'll simply open your eyes and get up and walk away. Of course, as a hypnotherapist, it wouldn't be good to have that happen very often because we'd soon be out of business. But it's, it's a very powerful tool for creating change because it gives us access to the part of the mind, the subconscious, that's really controlling most of our behavior. 
Exactly. Yeah. And that leads to kind of my next comment. If a client comes to see you and they say, can you hypnotize me to stop smoking? And you're like, well, yes, I do stop smoking. That's a fantastic thing. But then the client says, but I really have no intention and no desire to stop smoking. Tell the listeners what's going to happen in that case. I'm going to tell them to call me when they're ready because I can't help them. That's exactly. it. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. I get a lot of people that call and say, so and so my boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband, or whoever wants me to say quit smoking or lose weight or go back to the gym. And they think it'd be really good if I did that. And I say, well, how do you feel about that? And if they say, well, you know, I'm kind of okay. Then I say, well, I'm sorry, I can't help you. You have to want whatever it is that you're doing hypnotherapy for, or it will essentially have no effect. Absolutely. So that's kind of the first filter, the first layer that I think is important for our listeners to understand is that it is your choice. <laughs> Nobody's oh, taken over you. Nobody can make you do something that you want, don't want to do. However, in the event that you really want to stop smoking or quit biting your nails or quit, 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 or start, 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 hypnosis is amazingly successful. It is indeed. Yes. So then when I see your book and you say it's even more successful than hypnosis, I go, whoa, because I know how profoundly powerful hypnosis is and I am dying to learn more. Okay. <laughs> Where should we start? <laughs> Let's start with how you developed the synthesis effect. Well, it's a really interesting story. When I decided to, uh, to do a PhD in clinical hypnotherapy, first of all, there are very few programs out there. In fact, the program I went through no longer exists. Uh, but there came a time after about three years of doing research and writing many, many papers on the subject of hypnosis, hypnotherapy, and how it relates to uh, a lot of other techniques. There comes a time when you're doing a PhD that you're supposed to come up with original research and write something original. And I, quite frankly, was completely clueless as to what I could write. I was sitting there saying, now, what do I have to possibly contribute to the world of human behavior? I'm just this little guy doing hypnotherapy. And now, now what have I done? You know, <laughs> and, uh, It was interesting because I really was mystified as to what I was going to do. And then I don't know how it happened. I like to think it was divine intervention. Seriously. One day I was sitting in my office contemplating this because I had to come up with a subject and I had to figure out a way to write basically a book length paper on the subject. And I realized that I had a thousand case files in front of me because I had been in practice for quite a while by that time. And I said, what if we take a look at your case files and go through them and see if we can find some common denominators between the people who did really well, really quickly, the people who did okay, but maybe took a little longer. And fortunately, those very few, and thank God there are very few because I wouldn't be here. Uh, those people that didn't do well, see if you can see some common threads and so that's exactly what I started to do. I started to analyze a thousand former cases from people uh, with all different issues. But I think, I rem as I remember, I, qu I uh, focused on smoking cessation, weight loss, fears and phobias. And I don't remember what the fourth one. I, I focused on four issues. And I started really, really looking to see my case notes and whatnot. And sure enough, it didn't take very long until I started seeing some patterns. And the more I saw the patterns the more I realized that there were certain things that certain people um, 
got right away, that didn't get right away, or didn't get at all. And they be, these patterns became the initial models of what I, or what I call my models of synthesis. And then I started incorporating ones that worked more and more into my daily sessions. And sure enough, the efficacy rate went up. Eventually, it went up by almost 50%. So that's how the process of synthesis was born. And it really is about uh, combining the conscious cognitive logical mind and the way a Western person thinks, Western being modern technology-driven society, which is most of the world, with the ancient wisdom of some of the uh, more indigenous tribal cultures, spiritual techniques, meditative techniques, all more spiritually and subconsciously related with hypnotherapy as being one of the main tools. And when I combine these things, suddenly people started getting better a lot quicker. So that's how the synthesis process uh, was born. And then I did the statistical analysis, which showed the difference. And that was my thesis, my dissertation, which got me my PhD. And now I started using this all the time. Every session, I started incorporating the models and giving people this, I, I call it a sort of a three-part uh, uh, whammy. One, you create understanding. Two, you show them the tools and how it works. And then three, you show them how to use the tools. And I had so many clients say, John, you got to write a book about this. This is amazing. I can't believe how good I feel so fast. I, it's blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I said, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, and then I started thinking about it. Well, I, I wrote the dissertation. That was almost a book. And I thought, what if I took that, made it readable and fun, and that's how the book itself came, came to be, the synthesis effect. So the effect is using this process to create profound change in your life. And the process is using hypnotherapy, meditative techniques, and these models together, which just makes the whole process happen faster. It's like putting it on steroids. Wow, that makes sense. Now, for the listeners who might be listening and thinking, oh, meditation and hypnosis, are those the same or are those different or how does that work? And what if I don't meditate? Would you like to go into that a little bit and explain some of that to people? I would be delighted. First of all, deep meditation and hypnosis and deep hypnosis feel very similar. And the feeling is really quite pleasant. You're very, very relaxed on a physical level. You're very, very focused on an emotional mental level. And in meditation, we also tap into the more powerful spiritual level of your consciousness. So they feel a lot alike. The interesting thing is meditation and hypnosis affect different parts of the brain. And in that, we get a magic combination. Hypnosis is very powerful for creating quick change, for changing a habit, not overnight, but almost overnight. And then meditation is very powerful for helping someone maintain that change on a systemic level for a long period of time. So you can see how they go together so well. We have a tool that creates the change and gets the mind to, to flip the way it's working. And then we have another tool or technique that helps the mind then not just reinforce it, but make it systemically sustainable. And so hypnosis and meditation are two of the prime tools I use in the synthesis process because they work together so well. And for those people who don't meditate, you're doing yourself a disservice because it is one of the most powerful tools in existence for helping you maintain energetic balance, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It's been around for over 7,000 years, as has hypnosis, and there's got to be a reason for that. And the reason is it works. Right. Yeah. Right. No woo-woo, no mumbo-jumbo. It is just learning how to tap into the power of your mind to get your life working the way you want it to. That's all there is to it. 
I like that. And what I wanted to just kind of jump in on for people again who are thinking, yeah, I've tried it. I don't get it. I've tried it. I don't get it. There's more than one way to meditate. If you have tried one method, try a different method. There's so many different ways to meditate. And you're absolutely right. The benefits are astounding. And it does feel incredible. Yes. And to add to that, and that's a great statement, Laura, there are many ways to meditate. There are many uses for meditation if you learn different techniques. But the thing that gets most people is that, first of all, we live in a culture that wants instant gratification. We, because of technology, we want it now. We want it instantly. We want our stuff. Give me my stuff, and then I can be happy. And unfortunately, meditation is effective only with consistent, dedicated application. So that's one thing. You try it a couple times, it doesn't work. And that's it. I'm giving up. So that's the first thing. You have to be consistent. The second thing is people think that it's supposed to work or not work. And that's not really true. What, what happens sometimes is that you'll get into a very wonderful, deep state of focused concentration. Other times your mind just won't allow it. Let yeah. it be okay. You have to be consistent. You have to stay with it. There is no right or wrong. The only wrong with meditation is quitting too soon and not doing it. And Every client I work with, every single one, regardless of why they come in to see me, gets some form, usually a dynamic meditative exercise to reinforce what we're doing. And I insist that they do it because if they don't, I won't keep them on as a client. And inevitably, people say after a week or two, Ma, that exercise you gave me is amazing. I can't believe how good I feel. And I say, well, that's good because you did it for a couple of weeks. Now just keep doing it for the rest of your life and you're off to, off to the races. And then I teach them different forms of meditation and different uses and different outcomes. And um, it is just such a powerful tool to have. And no one's ever found anything that works better. No. And I like how you said different meditations for different purposes and different outcomes because it's analogous to me to, you know, fitness. Working out, lifting weights does not give you a cardio benefit. Jogging is more for the heart. Lifting weights is more for the muscle. It's both working out, but you're getting separate and distinct benefits and they're separate and distinct uses. And meditation is the same way. Absolutely. And the, the product of working out with different ways, doing resistance, doing cardio, is that overall, systemically, you have a healthier, more energized, happier body. Yes. And then you have a happier mind. Meditation is exactly the same. And when you combine hypnosis and meditation, well, then you've got the best of both worlds, I think, because hypnosis really helps us make these changes that we're naturally resistant to quickly and profoundly. And then a meditative practice, when applied correctly, helps you maintain it. And then you feel like a million bucks. I love that. Okay. You just said something that I want to jump into because I think this is the conundrum for a lot of people. You said um, hypnosis helps you make changes that we're naturally resistant to. Correct. The conundrum comes in where we have the desire to make a change, but we can't seem to get ourselves to make the change. Like somebody might really, really, really desperately want to lose weight, but they can't seem to make the changes. Can you talk about the block? as to why somebody could want something on the one hand, but be unable to achieve it on the other hand. Absolutely. We, all of us, humanity, as a species, are naturally, innately resistant to change. The process or the state of, that we will cling to is called homeostasis, which is a word, homeo, the same state, stasis. 
And it started a long time ago, and you'd have to go back to the dawn of human civilization when our ancestors were roaming along, hunting and gathering, and they found this beautiful green valley, and it had lots of water and plenty of food and comfortable caves, and they moved in and they said, wow, this is great. We love this. And then some other group comes along and says, you know what? We want you to move. We want this place. You can't stay here. And our ancestors said, well, no, we don't want to move. Are you kidding? We like it. We're comfortable. This is what we know. This is our place. And that was the beginning of it. Now, you take that through thousands and thousands of years of human development. We haven't come very far uh, from a psychological, emotional level from those ancestors. We like things familiar. And so let's take weight loss. It's a perfect example. Even though we want to lose weight because we know we're going to feel better, we're going to look better, there's no downside. The choices we have to make require us to get out of that familiar comfort zone. And so homeostasis kicks in. And because the subconscious mind, which is where most of our, let's talk about the subconscious mind a little bit further because this will really make it clear. The subconscious mind is like a three-year-old child. It never gets any more sophisticated than that. It can't tell the difference between good or bad or any of that. All it knows is positive inputs and negative inputs, positive behaviors, negative behaviors. That's all it knows. And like a mechanical computer, once it's programmed, it'll play it's programmed over and over and over again. It likes the familiar. The conscious mind is the part of the mind that says, hey, I want to make a change. I want to lose weight because I'm going to feel good. And willpower says, well, that's my job. I'll take on. But unfortunately, if people know the difference in mass alone between the conscious and the subconscious, the conscious mind is about 10% of the human mind. That's the part that we rely on so heavily in Western culture. The subconscious and spiritual part of the mind is 90%. So the way I talk, explain this to my clients is imagine this. You want to lose weight. 10% of your mind says, great. This is a tug of war. That's 10 guys pulling one way on the rope. Your subconscious mind says, oh, no, no, no. I can't do that. It's too hard. I got to go to the gym. I can't. Blah, blah, blah. That's 90 guys pulling the other way on the rope. Who wins? That's right. homeostasis. So that's why we need assistance to make these kinds of behavioral, emotional, habitual changes. Because that subconscious computer, unless it's reprogrammed, is going to keep playing those programs over and over. That's where hypnotherapy comes in. It helps us get by that natural resistance. I hope I don't know if that works, but that's how I explain it. No, that's it's funny because I was like, hey, that's exactly how I explain it. That's perfect. Good. <laughs> <laughs> then let's say we're right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's like we were educated. <laughs> and it's somebody who taught us new. Wow, go figure. <laughs> So when you are using your program and you're combining the hypnosis and the meditation and you're working with clients, it helps them alter their subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. It also helps them access some of that spiritual power, which I think goes to that willpower aspect of things. We want to become a better person for whether it's religious reasons or spiritual reasons. It feels like it accesses a little bit more of that uh, just the human goodness that, that I want to shine, that I want to be better than myself. And that is, willpower is powerful. Spirituality is powerful, but you're right. There's a lot of different aspects that are coming together in your program here. Well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that natural wanting to be better. When we're born, all of us, we are full absolutely full of unconditional love for ourselves and anybody that wants to give it to us. We are also full of perfectly formed and vastly abundant self-esteem when we're very little. So when we're very little, and none of us can remember this, 
we know instinctively we're perfect little beings. There's no such thing as failure. We don't care what anybody thinks about us. And if we want to accomplish something, we just go out and do it. If it doesn't work, we don't think, oh, my God, I'm done. I can't do this. We just keep at it with a big smile on our face. We have to learn that love is a conditional emotion. We learn to place our self-worth in the opinions of other people. And they're doing some amazing studies now with little kids. And they're finding, they being scientists, uh, are finding that little ones are very, very consciously aware of their spiritual nature, whether we like it or not. This energy we call spirit has been proven scientifically to exist. Little kids know that. But then, like other things, it gets beaten out of them because we don't really teach our children in this culture to nurture their spiritual energy. And I always separate spiritual energy from religion. They are two different things. Spirit is your nature. It is what you are born with. If you, if you read the philosophies, and there's a lot of native philosophy in the synthesis process, if you read the philosophies of the indigenous cultures of the world, the primitive people, you will find that in their culture, their philosophies, regardless of where they come from around the world, the basics are pretty much the same. Spirit is number one. Everything else comes second. In our culture, spirit is last, and everything else comes first, the physical, the material, and the ego, etc. So it's really important to realize that it's in there, that desire, that innate desire that, to love yourself, to honor yourself, to respect yourself, and to, to really esteem yourself is in there, but it gets buried as we're getting programmed as, as little kids. And a lot of what I do in the synthesis process while we're changing the acute issue, whatever it may be, I always like to go down and get that stuff out of the mud. It's like a treasure. You know, that's how I describe it to my clients. It's like gold and silver under the ocean, and over time it gets buried. It's down there, this incredible treasure, but if you don't bring it up, you can't use it. Same thing with your self-love, self-esteem, and your spirit. You've got to dredge it out of the mud, but once you do, wow, it's amazing. Wow, I like that. I, I was not aware that research was being done along those lines, and that makes me gloriously happy. That's phenomenal. So, so tell us some more about the synthesis process. And we, I understand that you do the meditation. I understand that you use the hypnosis and you work into that spirituality. But right. what are some of those strands that you use? How, how does this all come together? Well, it, it really starts before we even start in the clinic. And um, when I decide to take a client on, and I don't take everybody, I, I only take ones that I think is, are going to be a good fit because I, I screen them to, to see where they are as far as desire is concerned. But I always start by creating understanding. First and foremost, I let people know what energies they need to bring to the party to create the change. Because this is another thing. We don't think of ourselves as energetic machines, but really that's all we are. We are energy. We manifest energy in a lot of ways. And if you really break it down, and again, this is, this is not something I'm making up. Science is proving that everything in existence is essentially made of the same stuff, pure energy. They've actually found the smallest particle of energy that they think exists in the universe. And everything that exists, including us, the sun, the stars, every atom in our body was once part of a star. So if we think of ourselves as energetic machines, and we think of living as nothing more than an exchange of energy between ourselves and the environment, Energies come in in a lot of ways. We breathe in air, we see light, we hear, we touch, we taste, all that. Energy goes out. We think, we move, we behave, we pee, we poop. Energy in, energy out. How that energy goes in and out has a huge effect on how we're feeling. 
In other words, through our energetic exchanges, we literally, this is something that I, I drill into every client and student I work with, we create our own reality. It doesn't feel that way, but we do. It feels like life is happening to us. So when I show them through my models how we create our own reality and what energies we need to bring to the party to change that reality and how we're going to use the tools to make that change at a subconscious level, we have created, we've set the stage for the transformation. And you can literally see someone that's sitting there for their first session as I go through this process and I introduce the models and the techniques and then how the mind works and why they are the way they are. And then they realize, hey, it's not my fault. There's nothing wrong with me. This is how the human mind works. I thought it was only me. Everybody thinks it's only them. It's not. We all have stuff. But when you set that stage, now you have primed. It's like, it's like priming a pump. So that's the beginning of the synthesis process. And then in that process, I create, or at least I attempt to create, enormous expectation for success. Because again, we are now proving scientifically what the primitive people of the world knew a long time ago. Manifestation is not about seeing in order to believe. It's about believing in order to see. That's how we literally create. So wow. if you expect results, then you are going to create the energy to obtain them. If you don't expect results, this is what I tell everybody, then don't expect results. And so that's the setting of the stage. And then we begin the process using these incredibly powerful tools. I love that. If, if I were a listener to this show right now, I would be so excited. I would feel so empowered that it's my energy, that it's my thoughts, that it's my beliefs, and the tools exist to make it happen. It's not just a happy little thought in my head. There are actual tools, and this guy can help me get there, and we can get there together. Yes, that's it. Yeah, that's enormously powerful. So what are some of the changes that people have gone through that your clients have experienced? I know you've talked about, you know, kind of the big four, but what are some of the more elusive, maybe even esoteric changes that clients you have had have been able to create in their life using the synthesis effect? Well, you know, um, I work with the same behavioral issues that you work with and that really all hypnotherapists or most hypnotherapists. I mean, as you, as you get more experience and as you, as you get better at it, you know, you can take on more complex issues. I mean, there are things that I, I work with today that I never could have when I first started because I just didn't have the knowledge or the experience. But, you know, some of the more esoteric things like getting over really weird fears, like, you know, I, I help a lot of people getting over the fear of death, which is quite common. And unfortunately, it's something that is an inevitable part of life. And if it's holding you back from living fully, then, then it's an issue. Um, I, I help people with relationship issues, you know, fear of commitment. Um, I mean, if you can, if it's a behavior, I probably have seen it. Most of my work, and I'm sure most of yours too today, Laura, is dealing with stress and anxiety. That seems to be like an ep epidemic in our, our society, partly because we're energetically imbalanced as a population. Um, and that anxiety can take so many different forms. Uh, you know, everybody hangs their anxiety on a different hat. And so they can be pretty esoteric and interesting. Um, but if it's behavior, then this, then I probably work with it. And a lot of, you know, and we should mention, and I know you do this too, hypnotherapy isn't just helping people get over limitations or issues. It also helps people that are doing well do better. 
because yeah. it's, so I work with a lot of, you know, I'm out in LA, so I have the, I'm right in Hollywood, not in Hollywood, but I'm, I, I, and I used to be a working actor. I work with a lot of actors, writers, musicians, producers, directors, uh, dancers, athletes, all levels, different sports. They're already doing well and they just want to take their game up to the next notch. This process works just as well for that because everything, if you think about it, our entire life is controlled by the mind. So if your mind's not working the way you want it to, you need to change it. And all of this is simply helping people change the way their mind works so that it works the way they want it to rather than the way they thought they were stuck with. I love that. I'm taking a little pause in in here right now just because you said you're in LA, Santa Monica area. For listeners who are hearing the show and might not be in that area, do you have products available for them to purchase? Can they how can they get this book? Do you have any MP3s or CDs available? How can they learn more about you and your oh, well, thank you for Thank you for that entree. Oh, great. Here's my little commercial. Uh, if you're interested at all in the synthesis effect, you can find the book online uh, on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. It comes in both paperback and ebook. Uh, it's out of the bookstores now, but if we have a second printing, which I'm hoping we will, then it'll be back in the stores. But they don't keep books in the stores very long anymore. But it's available online, the synthesis effect. Or you can just look me up on Amazon, Dr. John McGrail, and you'll get the book. And I do have products for sale on my websites. Um, they are MP3 files, and uh, I have one for smoking cessation, one for weight loss, one for sleep issues, which is a comprehensive program that addresses both the physical, emotional, and spiritual aspects of sleep issues. And then I have one for general well-being and general change. It's called Pathway to Transformation, which you can use for any change you want to make that doesn't fit into the sort of the big three. Um, my websites are, are easily found. You can Google me, Dr. John McGrail Hypotherapy, and you'll see all of that stuff. But it's Hypnotherapy Los Angeles, all one big word, dot com, or drjohnmcgrail.com. I've got two sites. Um, and both of those sites have a products page. If you click on the products page, you go to the, the, the MP3s. They're very, very affordable. They're, they're all designed uh, uh, on, the, on the programs that I use in the clinic. These are tried and true techniques that I've been using for 16 years in private practice. And they're very, very effective. So thank you for that, Entree. I, I hope people take advantage of that because it's like a session with me, but um, an awful lot cheaper. <laughs> exactly. And what I like personally about people doing the work themselves is, like you mentioned, that one kind of general well-being. You can use it for whatever is on your mind at the moment. And oftentimes, in my practice, and I'm sure in your practice as well, people come in for one issue, and it's really about something else. You know, one of my friends who is a um, psychotherapist, not a hypnotherapist, but she always talks about it's not about the peas. It's not about the peas. People come in because there's a problem getting their kids to eat peas. It's not about the peas. It's about <laughs> something deeper. <laughs> exactly. That's absolutely true. And, you know, the other thing that's it's fair to say is that, and I say this both in my book, uh, you know, the book is designed to help people do this process on their own. And you start right out of the gate. As soon as you're reading the introduction, every chapter has action items so that there are little homework exercises to do so, so that you can learn the process. And it's designed so that as you take it chapter by chapter, you build your skill set. And by the end of the book, you're doing full-blown synthesis. But I also say, and that includes the do-it-yourself programs, some people need more assistance. And if you do, there's an appendix in the book that's a guide to helping you find the right professional help. And if I can give myself one more plug, and I'm sure you Please. do this, I work with clients all over the world. Um, with technology today, you can do this work 
not on every issue, but on many remotely. And so I just finished working with a gal in London. I've got somebody in, in uh, Japan and all over the States, Europe. Uh, you know, all you got to do is figure out the time zones. You can still do this work very powerfully. So if you find that you need a little extra help uh, and you can't find someone in your area, there are always remote sessions possible. Yeah. So there's no excuse if you want to make a change in your life not to make the change. The help is there. <laughs> exactly. And I like that you mentioned the remote sessions because it is all energy. And when we're both holding the intention to connect, it is just as powerful to be you know, remote on Zoom or on Skype or whatever, FaceTiming with somebody, than it is to be in the same office with somebody. That's absolutely true. Now, that said, there are a few techniques that I have that I've developed that do require personal contact because you have to you have to physically be able to be in contact with one another. But most of it can be done beautifully remotely and you get just as effective results. Wonderful. So, yeah, listeners, if you're just if you have something going on, absolutely reach out. If you're just curious about it, reach out, too, because I love how you said you help people become better whether it's acting or singing or whatever, I, I'm a performer. I use EFT for my stage fright. I perform fine. It's just that I was tired of managing that heightened anxiety. I like a little bit of anxiety. I don't like it to tip me over the edge. I use EFT to calm it back down. So it's not that I had a problem, but I did have the recognition, recognition that I could do better. And it sounds to me like that's kind of what you're saying with some of these programs too. It's not that it has to be a full-blown problem, but they can be better. Right. Well, I mean, if you think of professional athletes, uh, when you get to that level of accomplishment, the difference between good and great is usually in the mind. They both have great bodies. They're both in great shape. They both have trained for many, many years. So what's the difference between the winner and the loser? In golf, it can be one stroke. In a ski race, it can be tenths of a second or hundredths of a second. Um, you know, and so the, the difference is almost always the mindset. And I work with a lot of actors. I was a working actor myself. And, um, you know, a lot of people just have to get out of their heads. As you so well know, you're a performer. If you're in your head, you can't win the audition. You have to be able to get out of yourself. And this process works so well for that kind of stuff, for performance enhancement. And I really, I enjoy that as much as helping people solve problems is watching people that are at the top of their game get to the next level. It's just very, very cool. I bet. Now, what are some of these other tools that you do? Because I know you've done EFT. Um, yes. What I've, I'm forgetting, there are several others, um, NLP, NLP and Pathway. Yeah. Tell our listeners what those all are. Well, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, is, is a very, very cool uh, discipline. It was designed or conceived in the 70s by a couple of guys up in Berkeley who probably were smoking a little too much weed. But uh, for whatever reason, they said, you know, what's the difference between the people that do okay and the people that do great? And how come some people can be born in the ghetto with no possibility of success and, and, and become world famous, and other people are born with a silver spoon in their mouth, and they amount to nothing? What's going on here? So they decided to start observing and finding out the difference. And in that observing, they tapped into psychotherapy, they tapped into hypnotherapy, they tapped into uh, gestalt therapy, and a lot of the other techniques that were coming out in the 60s and 70s. 
because we started getting very curious about the mind. And they came up with this thing called neuro, the mind, linguistic, how we communicate, programming, how we want run our behavioral and emotional programs to get what we want. So what it is simply said, because that's a big word, neuro-linguistic programming, it's hard to say. It's a tech, it's a technology as much as human behavior can be technological technology. Let's see, can we place into a technology? I can't, that's not a word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just add an end and create your own. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, as much as you can uh, technologize, um, it's a technology that helps us. It's a technology that helps us understand in a profound way how and why we behave and communicate in order to get what we want. And in understanding that, it really, really, there, there are also a bunch of tools that these two guys, um, Bandler and Grindler, developed to help people change the things that aren't working. So, and these two guys back in the 70s uh, started watching the difference between how people behaved and got what they wanted or didn't. And they developed this sort of methodology for understanding. And along the way, tapping into psychotherapy, hypnotherapy, gestalt therapy. Um, they develop tools and techniques to help people create changes in their strategies. The theory is that everybody has a strategy for everything they do. For instance, real quick, say you and I want to both buy a car, and we both want a new Mini Cooper. Now, you may say, okay, I'm going to go online. I'm going to build my Mini Cooper on their website. I'm going to go to the dealer, and I say, okay, here's the car I want. Do you have it? The dealer says, yep, there it is. And you say, okay, I'll buy it. I, on the other hand, have to go to the dealer and I have to look at every single car on the lot until I find the one I like. Now, we both drive away with a Mini Cooper, but how we did it, our strategies for obtaining that goal are different. And so NLP helps us understand an individual's given strategies, whether they're working or not working, and then through the tools they devised, change those strategies so that we start getting the outcomes we want rather than the ones we don't want. That's the essence of NLP. And of course, EFT is very, very popular now. And I've been, I've been using, I, I think I got certified about 15 years ago. Um, it is using tapping on acupressure points, getting back to the theory that all we are is energy and our mental and physical well-being or not well-being is determined by our energy flow or blockage. If we're not feeling good physically or emotionally, there's a blockage in the flow of energy. So we tap on certain points of the body to unblock the energy and get it flowing again. And as you so well know, it can work extremely, extremely well. Now, nothing works perfectly for everybody, which is why it's nice to have a whole bunch of different tools to use. Yes, uh, thank you for saying that. That is such a powerful statement for people who have said, I've tried some of that woo-woo stuff and it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, it's, it's, most of it's not woo-woo because now the science behind it is, is very evident. The, the discoveries that have been made in, in fields like neurophysiology and uh, epigenetics and uh, quantum physics and wave theory, the discoveries that are now scientific fact, which used to be woo-woo, just like you know, going to the moon used to be woo-woo, but we did it. Uh, yeah. It's not woo-woo anymore. Now we're understanding so much more about the basis of humanity the basis of behavior, the basis of our very existence, energetically, uh, that these tools are simply methods to tap into what's already going on. So, um, you know, people say, well, I tried that, and I get that all the time. Most of my clients, by the time they come to see me, say, well, I've tried everything, nothing's worked. And I say, well, 
Okay. And then three weeks later, they say, geez, why didn't I call you first? I don't know. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, there's no silver bullet. There's not one technique. Hypnosis doesn't work well for everybody. NLP doesn't work well for everybody. EFT doesn't work well for everybody. But there are so many cool techniques if you take the time to learn them that uh, and, and again, this is partly experience and training and you just, you know, learning. That's why I did the PhD for four years. But there's almost always something that will work. You just have to find the right path for a given individual. Yes. One of the th- analogies that I like to use, and, you know, people either love my analogies or hate them. So, hey, I'm just going to put that out there, <laughs> is cooking methods. <clears throat> Sometimes you microwave something and it just doesn't Cook right. You need a real oven, not a microwave. Sometimes you try to cook something on the stovetop and it doesn't really work. It's better in the microwave. There's different methods of cooking food and some of them work better than others. And I like that analogy just because it's concrete and because people can relate to not being able to cook something well in the oven that needs to be sauteed on the stove. And it's the same way with our state of mind. Sometimes one thing works better than something else. Sometimes it can give us a subpar result. And if we want to go further with something else, we can. It's not that something is invalid. It's not that a stovetop is dumb or that induction is ridiculous. It's a different method for a different reason, for a different person, for a different purpose. So have some fun and explore these different methods. That's well said. I think that analogy is, is absolutely perfectly apt. And, you know, that's the, this is another thing that's interesting. You know, a lot of people think, well, hypnotherapy is hypnotherapy is hypnotherapy, and a hypnotherapist is a hypnotherapist is a hypnotherapist, and I try to tell them as gently as I can, no, that's not true. Uh, first of all, you have different personalities, you have different values, you have different sensibilities, then there are different levels of training and experience and expertise. And I always say, you know, to a prospective client, I'm very comfortable saying this, call a lot of people, talk to them, ask them questions. Someone is going to resonate with you and it very likely will be not the person that's the cheapest Uh, (laughs) because the people who are good at this spend a lot of time and effort to get good at this and they also have a bigger tool set. The more tools you have, the easier it is to build the building or or tune up the car. And so um, that's a great, uh, a great analogy because not everything works the same for everybody. And the more people you've seen and the longer you've done this and, and the more you learn and study and research uh, and build your toolkit, usually the more effective you can be. And one of the things that I always say is that there's both an art and a science to this work. The science, anybody can learn. I can teach somebody how to do hypnosis in 10 minutes. You can too. But then what do you do? And right. that's, that's the differentiator is, you know, uh, the people that are creative, the people that say, oh, I remember, and this happens in real time. I remember something like this happened two years ago and I did this and boom, you, you do something that you haven't done in a long time or maybe you've never done and all of a sudden you get this result. Ah, now I've got a new tool. That's the cool part, both for the clients and for us as practitioners because it, right. it, just, it keeps it fun. Right. Now I want to go down that rabbit hole a little bit for listeners who may be new to hypnosis. I would like to talk a little bit about the training for hypnosis because like that, you have a doctorate. This is not a week. There are weekend seminars on hypnosis. I'm not knocking the weekend seminars on hypnosis. Like you said, the science of how to hypnotize somebody can be taught in 10 minutes. 
but I'd love for you to explain and talk a little bit of more about the art of this, the education behind this, what real clinical certified gifted, hopefully, hypnotherapists <laughs> offer that maybe somebody who has attended a weekend seminar to help their kids with test anxiety could not offer you. Right. Well, you know, we can start with comparing the stage hypnotist to the, the basic hypnotherapist. The stage hypnotist is very good at creating hypnosis. He or she is very good at creating suggestions that the right people will follow so that a crowd is entertained. But if you gave them someone with uh, a massive fear of driving on the freeway or flying an airplane or needles or spiders or pick your thing or, or a smoking habit or some other addiction and said, okay, treat that, they wouldn't have a clue because they're not trained in it. You know, as you said, you can attend a weekend seminar and become a hypnotherapist because in most states, I don't know about, uh, you're in Colorado, right? Yes. I don't know if it's a licensed profession in Colorado, but in California, you don't have to have a license to practice hypnotherapy. You don't have to have anything. There are a few laws that you have to obey. They're not particularly strict. Uh, don't work on a medical condition or a psychological condition that's been diagnosed without a referral. And other than that, you're pretty good to go. So you can study for a weekend or a month, or you can study for a year or get a doctorate. You're still, according to the state of California or Colorado or most states in the, in the country, a hypnotherapist. So, you know, think of, uh, here's an, an analogy. Uh, a medical school class graduates. The person at the bottom of the class is still called doctor. Now, they may not be very good at it. They managed to get through somehow, and they're still doctor so-and-so. Who do you want to see, the person at the bottom of the class or the person at the top of the class that really knows what they're doing? So it is always, I think, important when you're looking for this to, to ask questions. Uh, what kind of training did you get? My initial training was a full year. Uh, you can go for two months and do 30 hours of training and be a hypnotherapist. So it's, it's, it's really something that it's worth exploring. Mm -hmm. And there are a couple of um, certifying bodies, if you will, because we have certified hypnotherapists. That's what we both call ourselves. And, you know, most schools have their own board. So when you graduate from that school, even if it's Joe Blow's School of Hypnotherapy and it was two weeks, they will certify you. But there are a couple of national, uh, a few nationally uh, uh, known bodies. The National Guild of Hypnotists is one, and the International Medical and Dental Hypnotherapy Association is two, and the national, I think it's called the National Society of Clinical Hypnotherapists. If you find someone that's certified by one of those three bodies, you pretty well know that they've had a certain amount of experience and training because it's required to get that certification. You have to demonstrate that you actually know what you're doing. Um, still not a guarantee, but much better place to start. So yes, Laura, it's important that people out there know that hypnotherapists are from A to Z. You can get someone that's been in business for a long time and has studied and uh, like you or I really worked hard to get good at what they do, or you can get somebody that just graduated. Mm -hmm. uh, one more point, you know, there are a lot of uh, uh, books of hypnotic scripts and people that aren't very good or new very often rely on scripts. So they'll put you into hypnosis, which I could teach anybody how to do. So could you in 10 minutes, then they get their book of scripts out and they say, okay, let's see. Um, oh yeah, fear of flying. Here it is. And then they'll read the script right out of the book. Now, if that script happens to relate to what your problem is, because there's a lot of different reasons to fear being on an airplane, good, you'll get results. But if it doesn't, which is often the case, then you say, well, what a waste of time and money. 
right. if, if you work with someone that really knows what they're doing and they've worked with 200 people with a fear of flying and they know what to ask you and what questions to look for and what else might be going on and they devise your program according to your sensibilities and what's bothering you, the chances for your success, provided you really want to do the work, are obviously greater. So it's huge that you mentioned that. And it's really important for the consumers out there, if you're interested in doing this, just do a little research, do due diligence. You know, hypnotherapists are not hypnotherapists. And, and it's just, you yes. Could strike, yeah, you could strike gold with somebody who's done a weekend seminar, but... Uh... Probably not. Probably not. Educate okay. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. If and, you and want change. You mentioned that. It's a very, very personal working relationship. So you have to really feel that, one, the person knows what they're doing, that you can open up and be completely honest and vulnerable, and that they're not going to jeopardize that or take advantage of it or exploit it. And that you can feel that comfort because it's such a personal relationship. If you don't feel that, then nothing is going to happen. Rapport is absolutely key in this work. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that because as in any doctor patient type of relationship, unless you're honest, the person treating you cannot help you. If you go to the doctor because your left elbow hurts, but you hide your elbow and don't tell them about your elbow, they will never be able to diagnose, treat or cure that elbow pain. So you're right. right. It's rapport. Find someone who is credentialed, who you feel comfortable with. And as the consumer, don't be afraid to ask questions. Absolutely. And, you know, that gets back to the point you made a little earlier. It's not the peas. It's not. <laughs> People it's call, not. They call all the time. They say, this is what's bothering me. And they come in and it takes about 10 minutes to find out that that's not what it is at all. And then you push the button and we open up the floodgates and now we're off to the races. If you yeah. don't know how to do that, then it's going to be hard to get results. Because and, and so, yeah, and if you can't go in as a consumer, as a client, and let yourself be really brutally honest with what's going on, then the person can't help you. Yeah. And so if you can do that, then you probably establish rapport. And if they're experienced and know what they're doing, then they probably can help you. And it's also, I think we should mention at this point that this work, hypnotherapy, is not a long-term therapy. For most people, it's a matter of weeks, not months and months and years and years. So you can go to, and this is not in any way meant to disparage conventional therapy. For some people, it's great. But a lot of people are in therapy for years, and nothing ever happens. And then they do a few, relatively a few, yeah. therapy, and boing, everything's changed. It's because we work at a deeper level, which is Absolutely. another reason you want to make sure you get somebody that knows what they're doing. Yeah. I, I'm so glad you mentioned that because most of my weight loss clients – end up having sexual abuse issues, which then they'll say, I've seen a therapist for that for the last 23 years. And it's like, well, clearly there's some other things we can do. And you go in and then bam, they think I've had this amazing shift. Why did I quote unquote waste the time in therapy? Again, there's wonderful reasons to explore that. Conventional therapy provides a level of cognitive understanding that I think is invaluable for certain people in certain circumstances. But to my way of thinking, hypnosis is the behavioral pivot point that can actually change behavior. Right. Think yeah. of that computer. If you turn on your computer and you got buggy software, if you don't change the software, it's not going to get better. No. You can turn it on and look at it all you want. And, and, and it's worth mentioning again that the subconscious part of the mind governs most of our behaviors, 
our attitudes, our patterns. And it's like a computer that's three years old. It doesn't know how to make changes on its own. And unless you get down in there, uh, it's really, really difficult to do it from a conscious perspective alone. Willpower, remember, comes from the 10% of the mind that's logical and conscious and wants the change. Willpower can override that computer, but for how long? When you change the program and put a new piece of software in, metaphorically speaking, now you've got something. Love that. And yes, hypnosis or any of these other tools is that new piece of software. Well, John, where are you going from here with your practice, with your book, with your methodology? Tell the listeners kind of what they can expect next from you. Well, I am, there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm working on a new book, um, which I'm really excited about. I'm taking my time with this one. The other one, there was a certain, certain urgency too, but this one, I'm just, because I got one out, I don't need to rush this one. So I write when I get a chance and it's called a better you in a minute or two. Really excited about that. But more importantly, with the with the synthesis process itself. Um, I am in the process now. There's a production company that's interested in turning the book into a film, uh, kind of like the secret, except they say, and I've had, I don't mean to sound uh, immodest, but people say your book goes where the secret stops. So uh, if that's the case, and I, I'd like what? to, think, uh, and that happens. So we're working on that. Uh, and in regard to that, where I'm working on a whole new, uh, seminar series that I hope to take nationwide, which is going to introduce this process to many, many more people. Uh, I love, I mean, I'm doing a lot of shows like this one. Thank you again for the invite. I, I absolutely love doing these things. And by the way, I have, a, I have a YouTube channel, Dr. John McGrail Hypnotherapy, and there are, I have a series called A Better You in a Minute or Two, which is a series of short videos. They're only a few minutes, but each one contains a little tip or trick or technique to help you live more powerfully. And, um, uh, if you're interested in those, anybody out there, you can go to my website, sign up for my newsletter, and you'll get on the mailing list so you'll know when one comes out uh, and you get a link. Or you can just go to the YouTube channel or see me on Facebook, and all those videos are there, and, and uh, they've, been, uh, they've been very well received. So there's all kinds of stuff going on. It never ends, as you know. You keep growing. The synthesis process itself is much more advanced than it was when the book first came out new tools and techniques that I've sort of cobbled together or, you know, you steal a little bit from this person and a little bit from that person and you put them together in a slightly different way. You've got a whole new thing and it works great. Right. And then you have to practice it and refine it even more. And that's exactly. exciting. It really is. So I, I love, and by the way, if there are any organizations out there, um, I am, I'm always open to uh, doing keynotes and, and motivational speaker uh, speeches for uh, usually corporate but I love helping people change the way they think and the way they do business, not just the business of business, but the business of their life. And you can apply these techniques that you and I are talking about and that you and I practice. People can apply them at work, at home, at school, at play. It's about creating a better you, which is why the, my company is called A Better You. I, I'm just thrilled that you're doing that and sharing it with the world. Yeah. Well, I wish you the best of luck. I have just thoroughly enjoyed all of this and I will put your contact information up on my show page and have a fantastic week. And as usual listeners tune in next time and don't forget to flaunt. Tune in next time to flaunt. 
Build your dreams. Live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Come release self-judgment, reveal your naked self-worth, and re-choreograph a life filled with joy. Flaunt, find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Find out more at laurachedle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com. 